There are roads in this life that we all travel. There are scars and there are battles where we roam. When we are lost, oh, wherever we may go, they will always lead you home. There are lots of songs about roads and going home. But not all songs get you there. It takes more than a song, more than a lyric, more than a poem, more than a feeling. Only wisdom will get you there. Only wisdom will bring you home. What is the wise choice? What is the worst thing that can happen? What does God want? Many of you have seen the movie Lincoln. It's a great movie, although, as you know, if you've seen it, there are many hard scenes to watch about the Civil War, the, the strife and the, the heartache that was tearing our country apart at that time. But you saw the, the person of Lincoln, the man. You, you saw the way he was thinking. Uh, you heard his, his pithy expressions. You felt his heartbeat. He was a man of wisdom. And so I looked at some of his, his wise sayings, his wise writings and statements. I'd like to share some of those with you this morning. Give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. If this is coffee, please bring me tea. But if this is tea, please bring me some coffee. In the end, it's not the years in your life that count. It's the life in your years. When I hear a man preach, I like to see him act as if he were fighting bees. He wants to see some, some movement. He wants, to, he wants to feel some passion. There's got to be something in that message. Not just talking to the air. This has got to feel something. The highest art is always the most religious, and the greatest artist is always a devout person. Surely God would not have created such a being as man with an ability to grasp the infinite to exist only for a day. No, no, man was made for immortality. And so there's a road, but to go down that road, you need fuel for your soul. Lincoln knew that. We know that. So let me teach you this morning from Proverbs 3 all the fuel you need. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your hearts, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. 
then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare to her and compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. Let's look at all the, all the fuel you need. I'll break Proverbs 3, 1 through 18 into five sections. We'll do this just like a, a Bible study, like an old-fashioned read what it says and figure out what it's saying. Verses 1 through 4, section 1. My son, do not forget my teaching. But keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Bite some bees. These four verses are a model for your life. They predict a life that wins, wins with God and wins with people. The plan laid out is this. Keep the right focus, and the right focus is always biblical principles found in God's word. That means wisdom is living out a vision for how God sees life rather than living out of the circumstances of life. Did you see that locker room video that went viral a few weeks ago? It was a head it was a coach, head coach, Chuck Pagano of the Indianapolis Colts. And he gave a locker room speech that was both poignant and very moving. You see, he was sitting on the sidelines that day. He's taken a leave of absence from coaching the Colts because of leukemia. He's in chemotherapy. And since September, he's not been able to to be there. And then suddenly he was there and he was in the booth and he was watching the team. And this is what he kept saying over and over to his team. They, they won a game that they were not supposed to win. You refused to live in circumstances and you decided as a team to live out of a vision. You refused to live in circumstances. You decided as a team to live out of a vision. He was saying that People were, were naysayers. You guys can't win. You guys aren't, aren't a real team. You get out there on the field, but you can't compete. And you refuse to believe what other people were trying to define you as. You refuse to, to take that on. You saw something bigger. You felt something more passionate in your bones. You knit your lives together as a team. And you lived out of a vision. And it's always very powerful when you live out of a vision and you refuse to live according to circumstances or what other people say. And that's what this is saying here. This passage, these first four verses are saying, 
You've got to live out of the vision that God has for you. You have to define yourself by the way God defines you. You have to let love and faithfulness never leave you. You have to bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart so that you're constantly living out what God is trying to do with you, how God is is building you up, how God is using you to fulfill his work and his will in the world. It's, It's extremely powerful. It's really the only way to live. It's the only choice you have. Whether you're going to live out of a vision And for a Christian, it's a vision that God gives you or whether you're just going to be blown back and forth by the circumstances of your life. About 19 years ago at the Center for the Arts, I gave a message. And uh, and I've always remembered this, this phrase in that message. I said, the most dangerous person in the world is an internally referenced person, not externally referenced. The externally referenced person is always trying to become what somebody else wants them to be. They're always swayed by the the winds of opinion and culture. But an internally referenced person knows who they are. They see something. They know where they're going with their lives because as a Christian, that internally referenced person is driven by the very Spirit of God into the very heart of God. They are refusing to let circumstances control them. And they are living out of the vision of biblical principles that are written in the Bible that have been there for thousands of years. When I say in my book, your next move changes everything, I'm talking about your next move being defined by a biblical principle. Every chapter is grounded in a biblical principle because I could not write a book that was about my opinions about life. I cannot just throw words together and say, well, here's a story that is from my life, or here's a story about this or that. That in and of itself never gets us down the road that's going where God wants us to go. And then verse 3 gives the key to all the fuel you'll ever need. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. That's it. When you are driven by a vision of love and faithfulness, when Those two things are written on the tablet of your heart. Then you win with God and you win with people. You go the extra mile. You don't have to be right all the time. You do what you say you're going to do. You keep growing. And so these first four verses are a model for your life. They predict a life that wins with God and wins with people. Refuse to live according to circumstances or outside referencing. Decide with passion to live according to the vision that God puts down in his word for you to live. Section two, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Now, Proverbs 5 and 6 are arguably two of the most oft-quoted verses in the Bible. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It doesn't say don't have understanding. It doesn't say don't use your mind. It just says don't make that the be-all and end-all of the way you live. Don't lean into that more than you lean into 
the heart of God, the wisdom of God. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That's the road. You're trying to go down a road and ultimately God has to define the road. You don't get to define the road. It's not your prerogative to define the road. If you are a Christian, if you're following Christ, you let God define it. Now there's some hints. Some of the hints are your giftedness. Some of the hints are uh, your, your culture, your abilities, the things that, that God makes you feel. Those are, those are hints. But he defines the road as you say, I'm going to trust in you with all my heart. I'm not going to build my life on my own understanding. I'm going to let you give me the road. And I've always thought about this, and I often write this when I'm writing in a, in a book or I'm writing a letter to somebody, and I never realized that, that verses 7 and 8 are so intricately connected to this. Do not be wise in your own eyes. See, don't think that you are so smart and your IQ is going to win the day. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Have such an, an awe for God that when you wake up every day, the beginning of each and every one of your days is, I can't believe that today God is, is looking at me, watching me, hoping I'll make wise decisions in my life. I can't believe I get to work with him and he works in me and through me. That is astounding to begin your day with that kind of a thought. That's what the fear of the Lord means. It means to be in awe of this dynamic personal relationship that you have with the creator of the universe. And that's what we have. And then keep away from things that are evil. Keep away from things that are dark. Keep away from things that are manipulative. Keep away from, from coarse talking and coarse language and people that are trying to, to make things happen in their way, in their time, for their, for their gain, not thinking about what God would want to be doing in that moment. And, and it says this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. When you live this life of vision, when you live this kind of life of I lean into God's heart, you have less stress in your life. You have, you have a, a peaceful heart. And with less stress and a peaceful heart, it brings health to your body. It brings a sense of integrity to your life. Scripture is, is defining something here thousands of years ago that medical science has told us about in the last 50 years. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. There was a young pastor, and he wanted his life to be straight. He wanted to, to have God direct his life. And so he went to a retiring pastor. He said, sir, you've just had an amazing career in ministry, and as I'm following you in your church, I'd like to, to do as well as you've been able to do, sir. And I don't know how to do that. And the minister looked at him and, and said, son, I've, I've prepared something for you in the bottom file drawer right here in the office that I will leave and you will take over, there are three envelopes. The first time something goes wrong, pull out the first envelope and do what it says. The second time something goes wrong, pull out the second envelope and do what it says. And the third time something goes wrong, there's that third envelope and that will take care of everything. 
He said, thank you so much, sir. Thank you. And he began his career in ministry. And the first year went by. It was a honeymoon year. And everything was good. And he liked the people. And the people liked him. Second year went by. And things were pretty good. And the third year, some things started to go wrong. People started to get upset about the youth programs. He decided, I don't know what to do. Ah, the envelopes. He went to the file drawer. He pulled out the first envelope. sheet of paper popped out. And it said, blame the student ministry guy. He said, okay. So he called a congregational meeting. He said, the student ministry guy's out of control. He's letting kids run everywhere. There's no discipline in the program. I'm going to institute changes. We're going to put boundaries on this program. I'm going to get this kid into a mentoring program. So he's not just a student ministry guy. He's a student minister. And we're going to have kids that know the Bible and understand biblical principles for their lives in middle school and high school. And everything's under control now, folks. And the folks said, thank you so much. You are a good pastor. And then five years went by, and it was just wonderful. Everything was good. Season rolled into season, and then it just hit the fan, and, and there was something that happened during the, 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 the run to the Christmas season. So much stress, so many problems. Music people are all upset. And he went, he said, oh, the second envelope. He ran to the file drawer. He pulled it out. He pulled out the sheet of paper. It said, blame the music minister. He called the meeting. He said, the, the music minister is out of control. There's too much pressure. We're trying to do a bebop, a rhubarb Christmas, and we should just go back to singing the old Christmas hymns the right way, and we shouldn't make it all about, you know, what all the activities that we're doing. We should, we should be still and know that God is God, and we should just celebrate the birth of a Savior. And people just, just calmed down, and they said, he's going to take care of it. He's a good pastor. Ten years went by, and now he's, he's looking at, you know, the legacy as things go, they had financial problems pop up. Some people got mad. Some people left the church. Things were coming unglued. He didn't know what to do. And then it had been such a long time, but he remembered ah, the last envelope, the third envelope. So he went to the file drawer, very tentatively pulled it out, opened the flap, pulled out a sheet of paper, and it said, prepare three envelopes. No matter what you do, you can't figure it out. No matter how hard you try to be smart, you'll never be smart enough. In this second section, what it's trying to tell you is without a life that's totally dependent upon the wisdom of God, you are not going to stay on the right road. You're going to hit a wall. Something's going to happen. Things are going to come out of nowhere. You can't do it on your IQ. You can't do it on your emotional intelligence. You can only do it as you let God direct your paths. And he is always invested in making your path straight. Section 3, two verses, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I met a man the other day who's a, a dairy farmer in upstate New York. And he probably would, would understand that verse 9 better than a lot of us. But really the, the main point is that God has given you so much and he's asked you to live a life that honors him with everything that he's given you. The simple word that's been used for decades in the church and in Christian com community is stewardship. We are stewards of what God 
has given to us. We watch over what he has placed in our hands. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Wisdom has something to do with business, with income, with investment. This is the principle of giving out of a thankful heart. It's not the, it's not the principle of if I give, God's going to give back to me. Or if I bless, God's going to bless me. That just is an outworking of you living a wise life. You win with God and you win with people when your life is grounded in the principles that God ordained for life. What this is about is you are so overwhelmed with the goodness of God and the supply that he has given to you is that you want to be thankful to him and invest in what he is doing and make sure that his work is well cared for. It's not something that should create tension in your life. It's something that should birth thankfulness in our lives. God has given you everything. And then you go, God, how can I give that to you? How can I be a part of that? We have core values here at Spring Branch. And they're right there at springbranch.org. If you go to where it says at the bottom who we are, you'll find these. They're just... They're just there. We don't talk about them a lot because we try to live them a lot. But when you look at them, this is how we are returning to God, an investment in what he has already given to us. The first of our core values is raising the level of risk for reaching people for Christ. That is something we have to do very intentionally because the easy thing to do is to not worry about other people, or not risk working with people that are outside the church, to kind of close our doors and and to just be who we are and be nice to each other and, and take care of things and say nice things here on Sunday. But when the church does that, the church simply becomes a social organization. It doesn't become what Jesus said it must become when he said, I will build my church, a movement of people that is going to change the world. So the whole point of Jesus was to come into the world to reach people. And so we have to think very intentionally about how do we raise the level of risk for reaching people for Christ, people who are far from God or people who don't even think about God from day to day. How do we do that? What do we want to do next? One of the things that we do is in January and February, I do a relationship series. This year, it's going to be called Unglued, because everybody understands that. My life is unglued. It's coming unglued. It's coming apart. We're going to do eight weeks of relationship teaching, and we're going to have great drama and great media and great music. And it's a way to go, hey, would you come to church with me? Because we're talking about relationships for the next eight weeks. To take the risk to get out of a comfort zone of this really feels good to me and, and go, I wonder... God, if you might use me to reach somebody else, like somebody else once reached out to me. Connecting people to authentic Christian community where they can grow. Christianity is about growing. It's not about the status quo. It's not about staying static where you are. It's about always stretching and growing. And so one of our core values is to have things like A2 and small groups and and opportunities to, to engage with 
principles that can build into your life and stretch you and make you more of the person God has asked you to be. Connecting people to authentic Christian community where they can grow. Unleashing compassion into our broken world. And you know that we're all about that. You know that from trips to to Nicaragua. Some folks from midweek just went to Nicaragua and it rocked their worlds. And, And we go to Nicaragua all during the year. And we went to Africa back in July for the second time. And we support a church in Pakistan that meets there because we take care of them. Spring Branch, Pakistan. And we go to Europe where they live in a post-Christian society. And we go around the corner when we're in Copenhagen and we visit the, the people at the Church of Scientology and we make friends with them so we can talk to them about what they're thinking and what we're thinking and try to build bridges of understanding and communication. We just got a letter from them, from them the other day. It's, it's amazing what you can do when you decide, I am going to, to be a vehicle of unleashing unprecedented amounts of compassion into the world. Right now we're trying to help people during the Christmas season right here in the Virginia Beach Tidewater area. Encouraging people finally, encouraging people to own and live their spiritual journey with integrity. That's one of our core values because when I finish talking, I'm done. I have to trust that you own your responsibility to live out your relationship with Christ with integrity. That is something only you can do. And when you own that and when you do that, you will see exponential growth in your life. You will decide to step up and do something that maybe you've never done before in ministry or mission because you finally have owned faith and life together for me. And so when it says... Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. It's basically saying, how do you invest everything that you are and everything that God has given you into the development and to the ongoing ministry of the church Jesus gave his life for? Section four. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. This is the hard principle of wisdom. God will work to make you a better you. He wants you to know him deeply. He wants to build your faith. To do that, he will allow you to be tested. I've been tested my whole life. One of the earliest tests I had to pass was when I worked for the Youth for Christ Youth Guidance Program in New York City. Working with the kids on the street was the easy part, playing basketball, getting on the subway with them, bringing them over to the apartment and making them hamburger helper dinners that they went wild for. Would you go wild for my hamburger helper dinner? I don't know. Call me if you want to try it. You know, riding around on my 10-speed bike, and, and that was the easy part. The hard part was believing God would provide for me because everything else I did before that was I did a job, I got a paycheck. I drove a truck from New York to Chicago. I got a paycheck. I worked for my dad. I got a paycheck. The first two pay periods came. I didn't get a paycheck. I got nothing. And I had to believe that God put me where I was and that he was going to provide for me somehow in a way that I couldn't understand. And that's when I learned 
that God's work done in God's way does not lack God's supply. And I had to learn that. God had to teach me that. And he had to kind of you know, push me to the very bottom of my ability to be a wage earner where I, I didn't have wages, but I was still working. What's that about? I work, but I don't get paid? And God said, I will be your supply. You keep looking at me. You're not starving yet, are you? No, I'm not starving yet. And God taught me something that has benefited me for the rest of my life. Another time was when I was finishing my marriage and family degree, and I ran into a professor who wasn't exactly ecstatic about my work. What I thought was going to be the easy semester was turning into the semester from you know where. But but that experience honed my academic writing skills and pushed me to express myself better with words and with phrases. I took more time and I put more thought into the things that I was writing. You need the fuel of God's discipline to be a better you. You won't like it now, but you'll love it later. Section five. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. The road is a road of peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. The summary in verses 13 to 18 flies you over the entirety of your life. What kind of life do you want? What do you want? your wisdom legacy to look like. All the fuel you ever need is wisdom. It will get you back on track when you fall off track. It will help you repair broken relationships. It will help you grow up. It will fuel your soul when everything is falling apart around you. You desperately, desperately need wisdom. And so I will give you the three questions that you will need to ask for the rest of your life that will get you down the road that God wants you on each and every time. And here they are. The first question is, what is the wise choice? What is the wisest choice for me to make tomorrow when I go to work? What's the wisest choice I can make with this project, with this deal? with this person that is obstinate? What's the wisest choice I can make? What's the wisest choice I can make in this dating relationship? Should I even be seeing this person? What's the wisest choice? Second, what is the worst thing that could happen? What is the worst thing that could happen? That's part of wisdom, to not just see the picture that's this big, but to always see a picture That's this big. What if this happens? What if that happens? What do I do then? What if those three things form the perfect storm? And and how does that affect me making the wisest choice? What will this person maybe do? And so you get the the big, wide picture. What is the wisest choice? What is the worst thing that could happen? And now you're ready for the final question. What does God want? Because at the end of the day, 
That's the most important question of all. What does he want? What is he doing in your life? What does he want for your future? What is he trying to get you to understand that you are kicking back against? How does he want to, to make you a better you? What does he, what does he see as you, as you hold on to his vision for your life? What does he see? Is that what, what you see? And when you ask all of these questions all the time, these three questions, put them in your back pocket. Ask them. They'll change your life any, any day of the week. And you will always have all the fuel you need. Blessed is the man, blessed is the one who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. Wisdom is the only fuel you'll ever need. Dear Heavenly Father, thanks for teaching us through Proverbs and through Psalms, through your biblical principles that ground our lives, the things that we need to know to live lives of meaning and purpose and hope and peace and integrity. Father, when, when we're tempted to go down another road, pull us back. Allow us to trust in you with all our heart and not to lean on our own understanding. Father, take us down the road that matters most of all, the road to your kingdom. May we be your people. May we serve you well in wisdom, in love, and in faithfulness. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.